morning again. Well, if it's Tuesday, it's time for Mastermind Minutes. My name is Gary Occhigrosso. I am the managing partner for Franchise Growth Solutions and the publisher of FranchiseMoneyMaker.com. For those of you not familiar with uh, Mastermind Minutes, it's a very simple podcast. It runs about 15, 20 minutes. We have one guest, we ask one question, and we get one expert answer. As we say, we do it in minutes, not hours, so it will not consume your day, and I guarantee you won't be bored. As a matter of fact, we'll probably leave you wanting more information, so at the end of the podcast, we will have our guests tell you the best way to reach out uh, and learn more about the company or about uh, our guest. And today, uh, our guest is Jim Holthauser, who is the Chief Executive Officer for Focus Brands, which is uh, the parent company for Annie Ann's, Carvel, Cinnabon, Jamba, Moe's Southwest Grill, McAllister's Deli, Schlotsky's, which we had one, I recall, years ago in New York City, uh, and Seattle's uh, Best Coffee, which is in certain military bases and, and international markets. Um, he is leading Focus Brands into the next phase of growth for the seven food service concepts while delivering value to all company partners, driving results and profitability, most importantly for franchisees, uh, and also an exceptional customer experience. Uh, for more than 30 years, Jim has leveraged his extensive experience in the international business, franchising, brand management, and global product uh, development to grow uh, some of the world's most well-known brands in the hospitality industry. Uh, Jim, thank you very, very much for being with us today. I'm honored to have you on. Um, before we get into our question, uh, perhaps you tell us a little bit more about you and a little bit more about Focus Brands so our audience can can get a better understanding. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Pleasure to be here with you today. Um, yeah, I've uh, uh, like you, I've, uh, I'm a veteran of the, of the franchising business. I, I don't know if I actually started my intended to start my career that way, but I've, I've been uh, in, in the franchising business one way, shape, or form for a good 35 years. Um, I have absolutely come to love the business model, and I've done it now in the, in the, in the hotel business space, and then in, in, obviously now in, in the QSR space. So as I like to say, uh, one of my favorite parts of this are, are, are dealing with our franchisees, and uh, these, are, these, are, these are dreams. These are people who have big dreams. They make great things happen, and uh, it's really one of the most rewarding parts of my job. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I, and I agree. I uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I I I truly believe being in the franchising industry, we truly are. We may be the pioneer in the term, you know, servant leaders, uh, because those of us who are good at it know that we want more for our franchisees in many cases than we want for ourselves. Uh, right. I always I always liken it to like to like kids. You want more for your kids than you want for yourself. And you give them the tools and you give them the knowledge and the education and you sort of love them and support them and 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 maybe give them a little, you know, gentle discipline when necessary. And and they sort of grow up into becoming multi-unit, multi-brand franchisees. That's the idea. Which is what idea. we love. And it's sort of the, it's it's sort of the topic, you know, years ago when I was sort of coming up in the business. And I mentioned to you before we started, I was a, I was a Duncan franchisee way back in the 1980s when we, um, you know, actually made donuts in the shop. It was a, a unique and challenging experience, to say the least. But the concept of multi-brands or, or co-brands, the concept of even multi-unit franchisees, let alone multi-brand franchisees, 
really hadn't evolved. Uh, franchising back then was still, you know, you basically buy a job, okay? Right, right. Today, the mechanism has evolved to the point where folks really are buying a business model and they're buying a system and they're plugging it in. And the good, smart, developing franchisees understand deploying capital, developing a great team of great people, how to pick great real estate and and pick brands that they see upside to, you know, very often, because we deal with emerging brands, very often folks will ask us about very mature brands, not to say there's no opportunity with the really, you know, with the guys that have been around from the early 50s, but at the end of the day, there's more fun with emerging brands and more white space. Um, and I think what's going on in the industry now with co-branding and dual branding elevates that opportunity for folks. Right. So our question, you know, someone like yourself who's leading a company that, you know, is, excuse me, is at the forefront of multiple brands and 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 co-branding. As a matter of fact, there's a Moe's where I live and embedded in there is a Carvel. Um, right. So it's great. I can get my I can get my burrito and my ice cream fix all in one place. Anyway, what what role do you see dual branding or co-branding, as some people refer to it? Um, what role do you see it playing in the future of franchised QSRs um, and and how the business is evolving? Yeah, you know, we um, I mean, first and foremost, I'll start with the franchisee, right? I think you and I have we share a passion for our franchisees. Um, and uh, you know, um, it's one of the things that dual brands do is it's, it provides more economic opportunity for our franchises, more ways for them to grow. Um, and 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 as as we get into this and we, we explore this idea of dual brand a little bit more, I think you also see that that there are some really compelling economic reasons that that you look at this, right? You get some you get more efficiencies in your real estate, uh, some efficiencies in your labor. We can get into that a little bit, but I think first and foremost, we start with the franchisee and and. You, know, you have to convince yourself this is really a, a great opportunity for them to expand their businesses in some in some really compelling ways. From from the brand standpoint, um, this starts to help us solve a few distribution problems that that, that we have. So, for example, um, with a brand like Annie Ann's, hugely successful in malls, right? About seventy percent of all of our distribution from Annie Ann's uh, it, you will find in malls. You can't go to an A or B grade mall in in this country and really not find it any else. Mm -hmm. um, that that is this is a this is a brand with about two thousand locations worldwide, and um, the, the issue is that um, you know they're not going to be building malls a lot in the future, right? And that's one of the things that we all have to think about is as you know as people who run businesses is you've got to have runway. You got you got to be able to keep growing your your, your systems over time. So we need to figure out how do you get any ends outside of malls. All right, we'll continue, but there, there's, a, there's, a, there's still a, a, a short list of malls that we'd like to be in. We'll, we'll, we'll find our way in those at some point, but you got to find new ways of growing. So street side is, is one way we do that in, in the QSR. The problem is, is, is that the average unit volume for, for, for a mall-based NEAN really doesn't economically justify itself in street light location, right? The, the rents just don't make sense. And the way you make them make sense is when you start putting multiple concepts together because the owner can, can cast a much wider net into the market. Um, your, your AUVs can, can essentially double. We can get into that a little bit if you like to. But all of a sudden, this starts to create a, a different way of growing a brand that traditionally has not been in, in street side. 
So one of the, one of the combinations that, that is growing really well for us is anti-ands and Jamba, a combination. So I've given you anti-ands opportunities, which is real estate diversification. Jamba is, is extremely well known on, in the eastern or the western side of the country, right? Its opportunity is now growing in the east. Right? So what we're learning is that we can put anti-ands and and, and Jamba together, you, you get kind of a sweet and a, and a, and a salty kind of complimentary kind of menu, so to speak. Um, customers love the com combination. Now all of a sudden we can start growing both of those on the Eastern side of the US, right? In, in, in an economically responsible and compelling way. So what I would say is that dual brand, uh, obviously you're, you're creating great greater opportunity for your franchisee. And at the same time, it is helping us solve problems, right? In, in, in terms of growing our brands, right? In, in the right kind of market so we can serve more customers. Mm. And look, again, being close to the industry on the development side, it makes perfectly good sense. I guess there's a couple of things there that I just want to sort of unpack a yep. little bit, a little bit more. Um, one is, you know, my thoughts have always been, um, in developing brands, sometimes, you know, we meet folks, the franchisor, the founders, and they want to have 50, 60 items on the menu. And we know they should probably really have 20. And, and again, we can explore why that makes sense on everything from waste to order guide to, uh, you know, drop size on distribution to um, keeping, I think most importantly, keeping the guest focused on what the brand does and what the brand does well. Right. And an ad, I'm an advocate and a believer in the fact that people buy brands. They want the experience. They want the consistency. They're sort of comfortable knowing what they're going to get before they actually walk through your doors. And, and I think that's a big driver. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I've seen brands, and I'd love your thought on this, that go through what I call menu extension where they start to add all sorts of things on their menu and it gums up the operation, screws around with everything going on versus, and I'll give you the Moe's example again, because it, it's right by me, you know, would I really go into Moe's for ice cream and am I going to see it on the menu and is it going to be something I'm compelled to get after I have my burrito? Chances are no. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, so all I've done is increase the footprint, increase equipment, increase training, and slow the operation down. Whereas I go right over here, and there's this place in the shop that looks like it's branded Carvel. So if you could just talk a little bit about the advantages of or the disadvantages of menu engineering and why you can achieve the same thing in a better way with co-branding from the customer's point of view. Yeah. And 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 I'm I'm going to I'm going to begin exactly where you ended. Let's start with the customer. Because at the end of the day as, as I like to remind our franchisees and, and and the people who run our brands and and I have to occasionally remind myself, right? Our yes, our opinions are important, right? The customer's opinions are even more important. And so everything that we do in co-brands really starts with 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 the consumer and consumer research. Right, and, we, and so when you put concepts together, um, yes, you, you want to make sure that all of your signature items are represented, right? And, and you're, you raise a really good point. You don't need to add every single item on those menus. Now, the nice thing is we haven't had to make a ton of trade-offs. We have to make some trade-offs, right? To, to, you know, to kind of keep the, the menus manageable. But when you look at brands, 
that really lend themselves well to co-branding, like it's Annie Ann's and, and, and Carvel, Cinnabon in particular, Jamba. Um, those aren't really complicated menus to begin with, right? Now, if, if we were to go to, to Moe's and McAllister's, which have very expansive menus, right? Yeah, at that point, yeah, you've got to make some trade-offs. And, 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 and when we do have to make those trade-offs, honestly, it's, it's the customer is the one who's deciding what we sell and what we don't. Yeah, right? I agree. So, so when making decisions in, in, in terms of how you can help the franchisees capitalize on co-branding and give a better guest experience, what are the things that you would look for? Like, how do you know what brands sort of go together? Yep. Uh, again, I, I think I mentioned earlier about Duncan when they added Baskin Robbins, it made sense because it was a seasonal thing. So, yep. so how do you how do you like think about that? Again, it, it's it, it's all born out of consumer research, right? And so we've taken all seven of our brands, and and you know, and, you know, we we don't need to get into the methodologies or anything else, but. But we actually have the brand, have the consumer pair these brands together. What makes the most sense to the consumer? Typically, what they're looking for is, 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 to, is to be able to, to put some kind of salty um, you know, snack and, and pair that with, with something sweet, right? So Jamba, NEN's combination, absolutely perfect, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that's not a hard and fast rule, but, but that, that's, that's probably one of the, the biggest things that we've learned. Um, yeah. And, and, and so our specialty brands are the ones that really pair beautifully together. Um, so uh, Annie Ann's and Cinnabon would be kind of a, something else. You got two indulgences, right? That, you know, you, you may be in the mood for a cinnamon roll one day, the next day you go in there and you want ice cream. Great. That, that's another popular combination uh, with, with, the, you know, with, with the customer. In fact, we've got one quad brand location. You know, most of them are dual, right? We've got an Annie Ann's, a Cinnabon, a, a Carvel, and a Jamba, all four in one store, right? And uh, in the, up in Delaware, mm-hmm. and uh, and and again, you're you're. I don't think you really lose when you give the the, the consumer more optionality, right? Yep. If you're a yep. Carvel fan, great, have ice cream every day. But if you, but if you want something different, we're we're going to give you more choice. Yep. But but but. I think that is the real simple way of saying is that you know we're not going to do something that flies in the face of what the customer is asking us for. Yeah. Um, that's that's just that's that's just a non-starter. Absolutely makes sense. And you you actually addressed something that I was curious about. Like, how many is too many? Is it limited to two? At what point does it become a food court? Uh, <laughs> which I'm sure you're you're balancing that. You don't want it to be. Is is four or five? And and all of the brands that you mentioned just previously with the Cinnabon and and Jamba, those brands are the way I see them. You're you're not going there for a meal per se. So right. all of those like sort of work great together because if I want a quick snack or if I'm somewhere and I'm just impulse like yeah okay I get an ice cream or a Cinnabon. I quite honestly I can't resist Cinnabon. I walk past the place like because the just the aroma coming out of it. <laughs> it's addictive. Very it's addictive. Me. I know. Catches me every single time. So have you ever um have you ever put two brands together and then found out the research told us it would work like it looked good on paper, but the co- the consumer just really isn't sort of connecting to it. Has that ever happened? You don't honestly um, in the three years I've led focus, I have not heard of, of one of these not working f- from the consumer standpoint. Right. Now, 
sometimes you don't always get the real estate right, right? And as it's, 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 it's much expertise as we build, you know, that, that, that's, that's never guaranteed. And it's not to say that these things are, 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 are foolproof, you know, because it's, it's like anything else in business. It's not, there's always a little bit of risk associated, right? But of course. in general, these things tend to work really well. Um, and so I, I can't point to a specific one that didn't work because we, we didn't blend, we didn't put the right concepts together, right? Again, if, if they don't work, it's usually simply because rents are too high or the location or the market changes or something like that. That, that, that can happen in the QSR space. Yep. Yeah. So generally not about the brand or the combination of the brand. So sort of the last piece to this question that I want to ask you about really sort of, sort of falls onto the franchisee side of this. When you're bringing a, there's actually two parts to this. When you're bringing a franchisee on board who might be interested, let's say in a Moe's or in a McAllister's, are, are, is the company positioning that new franchisee to come in as a co-branded franchisee, knowing that this has a lot of upside advantage, or can they come in and only take one brand? No, you know, we've got, I mean, as, as I think back to our, our franchisees, when, when we started pairing up Annie Ann's and, and Jamba a few years ago, as I, as I look at the very first franchisee who did it, that's the first time they had done business with us, right? Um, you just, it, you know, but especially in the early days, and I'd love to get into this with you, because um, dual branding, getting it right is the challenge, right? It's, I mean, the theory of it makes perfectly good sense. Um, but, um, um, but, but actually getting, getting, getting the formula exactly right is the challenge. You just, everybody just has to know what we're getting into on the front end, right? Because, um, um, you know, when I did co-branding in the hotel space, um, it, it was, a, again, it was a very, very popular combination to put, put complementary brands together. Again, same thing, allows, you, allows the owner to cash the, the, market, the net in the market in a much wider way, ability to kind of attract different kinds of travel occasions. But co-branding in that space is relatively straightforward. You're going to share a pool. You're going to share a meeting room. You're going to share a general manager. Right? You're going to share a convenience store, right? It, it's, it's all pretty straightforward. When you get in the QSR space, you almost have to think about it as a totally separate brand. You don't market it as a separate brand, right? But the design and the development of it, right? It's because you, you now have to, you now have to re-rationalize all the equipment in the restaurant. You have to, you have to completely change the, the, the workflow, how food goes from, right, from the oven to the consumer. And, and I will tell you, you get that, you get that most of the way right on the front end, right? And then, and then over time, right, learning from your franchisees, right? Partnering closely with them, that's, that's how you get, basically get it to 100%. Yeah. So, so I would say it's, you know, one of the things I think we do pretty well, and maybe this is a little self-serving, but I think our, our franchisees do love to be involved. You know, we learn a ton from them. Right. And, and, and so almost after, especially in the early days of, 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 of a new concept, of a new dual brand concept, right, we're, we're constantly tweaking and changing that prototypes, right, because you're learning as you go. So if, if you can qualify, for, back to your question, if you can qualify for, you know, for, for a franchise with us, right, and, uh, and, and as long as it's clear that there's going to be a little bit of a learning process on the front end, right, there's really no reason to say no to them on the front end. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, and if you get a little cold feet, you're a little bit more risk averse, that's great. Then wait a little bit, give us a little bit of time to kind of iron out all, all, all those wrinkles and, 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 and 
get that prototype and, and that operating model almost to the point of perfection. And you get and you do get there. It just takes a little bit of time because yeah, and quite honestly, we could we could probably do a whole program just on efficiencies and throughput and how that gets put together and managing the yes. franchise's expectation. We don't really have a lot a, a, enough time for that today. Maybe we'll have you back on because I think those two pieces are key. If the franchisee comes on board with the right expectation, right. and if the franchisor understands that it's, and the franchisee understands it's never a one and done, that things are evolving, you're always looking to make it better, more profitable. To me, it's a flywheel. How do you make it go better, faster, and at right. a lower cost? Yeah. Um, as, as a business model. So I would think that franchisees would welcome that. However, if they're not expecting it or don't really understand it, then they may be surprised, but we'll, we'll kind of leave that there. Any last thought you want to leave us with here? Okay, I, I will tell you, it's a, uh, you know, most of the time, when, when, you know, when, when we, we have like four or five different dual branded concepts that we push pretty hard, right? Because we know they work. Um, you know, Annie Ann's, Cinnabon, Annie Ann's, John Bob covered some of these things off with you already. What we will typically do is go after your most experienced franchisees, right? And simply because, because, we know there, 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 there's a little bit of a learning curve, right? And you, you bring in some of these sophisticated, a lot of that operating know-how, that construction know-how, they're the ones who will, who will ultimately help us get to this point, get all that, pro, that prototype and that operating model to the point of perfection. So that's also a good indicator in, in addition to what the consumer tells you. If your franchisees are interested, right? They're raising their hand, right? They're really intrigued with something, right? That then, then again, you, you put you put them to work too. We they're, they're part of the work team. They help us figure it out. Yeah, I, I I agree. I I agree. I think as as long as you have, as you said, an experienced franchisee who you know is going to give you back good data, uh, and they're meticulous about monitoring that. I I, I agree, a hundred percent. I do have when see franchisors that really don't lean on their franchisees as much as they should to get information from the field and i always think why wouldn't you <laughs> they're sort of in the trenches i want to know what's the day-to-day -day? what's a day in the life you know, so that you know gary I mean, let, let me spill on that point for a second even as we work on the prototypes of our of, of our seven brands even if we're going to build a standalone McAllister, we have a process here and 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 it, when we get something far enough along you know you bring a few you know two or three four or five of these people in, right, who are very experienced at, at building, they're really good at this. They'll look at your plans and they're not, as you know, they're not shy. They'll, 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 <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll kick the tires and they'll give you their ideas. And, and oftentimes, I mean, I, I, in fact, I don't know if I've ever been through one of those, those processes, the franchisees, where we haven't learned a ton, right? Yeah. So why wouldn't you put them to work? It's, all, it's, it's in everybody's interest to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say I, I admire you for that last statement, because to me, what underscores a good franchisor is is one that understands they don't have a lock on all the good ideas. Right. Um, and, and, and that's a great way to be. So if someone wants to know more about this topic or more about how Focus sort of um, does this, uh, what, what do they do? How do they reach out? What's the simplest way? You know, we'll keep it really simple. Uh, I, I would go to focusbrands.com. Mm -hmm. um, and right up there at the top, you'll see development that that will lead you to the you know, to the right folks to talk with on our team. Alternatively, your you're, people are welcome to shoot me an email and I'll make sure I get that to the right people and we'll, we'll make sure everybody gets called back promptly. So.
Great, great. And again, for those of you who follow the program, you know we'll always uh, we'll always put links and things in the uh, in the bio for the podcast. Well, Jim, I can't thank you enough for being with us today. This is intriguing. Like I said, I could go on on this conversation for hours uh, as both an operator and a franchisor. You know that I can go on. Uh, but I thank you for being with us today and uh, and uh, and sharing your insights on a on a very important, evolving topic in the world of franchising. Happy to be here, Gary. Thank you so much for the opportunity. My pleasure. 